is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So a young couple, very much in love, they were getting married in a church. However, the bride was very nervous. So the preacher chose one verse that he felt would be a great encouragement for them. 1 John 4.18, which says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Good verse, right? The preacher asked the best man to read it during the ceremony. The preacher did not know that the best man was not a regular churchgoer and did not know the difference between the gospel of John and the first letter of John. So during the service, the best man introduced the reading by saying that the preacher felt this was a very good verse for the bride and that he would say more about it later in the service. And then he read John 4.18, which says, The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. The preacher wanted to encourage the couple. His attempt went very wrong. So today we are starting a new series called Psalms, Encouraging One Another. So we're going to uh, be looking at a couple of verses on how we are to teach and encourage one another. And then we are going to dive into Psalm chapter 1. So go to Psalm chapter 1, put your finger in there, okay? And then go over to Colossians 3.16. It's a big leap into the New Testament. Let's do that real quick. So Paul is sharing with the church in Colossus, that to live a holy Christian life, we are to do these things. So I'm gonna, when we get to 316, I'll, I'll read it real quickly. But he says this, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. He also says, speaking in Ephesians 5.19, it says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. And today, I don't know about you guys, but the music was amazing. I was very blessed by that. I was blessed by the singing, by what Janet did. Everything throughout was a blessing to me. And so I think what Paul's saying is here is that we need to use songs to encourage one another. And, but not only encourage one another, we need to use songs that have the truth of God's wisdom in them. Because he says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through these things. So we can sing a song and we, you know, we can encourage one another by it. But if the song that we are singing doesn't have the words of God in them, we can be leading one another astray. <clears throat> so not only should we encourage, but we need to make sure it's aligning with the teaching of God's word. But the interesting thing here is, out of all the ways that we could do this, he says to sing. And I, I mean, I love to sing, but not everyone here loves to sing. Maybe like singing in the shower, maybe like singing by yourself in a car. But Paul says that we are supposed to sing. 
And throughout culture, years and years and years, singing has been a, a thing, music that's brought us together and still today brings us together. You go to a concert, you sing your heart out, you scream and shout the whole time because you know every single song that the artist is, is playing, but you don't care how you sound. But here, he's saying we should use this. But why? I'm going to talk about a few things why I think music is so powerful to teach and to admonish one another. So first thing, just talking about the music, not talking about the lyrics of a song. First thing is this. Music has the power to change our mood. Music has the power to change our mood. So when we're feeling down and we just want a and, and to be happy, to feel happy again. We put on a song, we're just like, yeah, oh yeah, I love this song. Getting into it, you know, doing a little dance move, doing a little non-Baptist type of dance move, you know. But we also have those days where we get home and we are exhausted and we just want to get things off our minds. We'll put in another song. And maybe it's jazz, maybe it's classical, whatever it might be. And you sit there like, oh, that's good. You know, you just, you're just enjoying it. And your mood can be stressed. Your mood can be sorrowful. It could be whatever it might be. But the moment you put on that music, you are transported and your mood just changes. Now, if that doesn't happen to you, I'm sorry. Music is a wonderful thing. Maybe it's a specific song. Maybe you could be listening to really hard rock music and that's like, oh, this is nice. I'm going to take a nap. You know, it could be something like that. I don't know. But music has the ability to change our mood. Um, King Saul actually had David come in and play the lyre for him because he was being tormented. And he couldn't relax. He couldn't get things off his mind. He was being tormented, but the music soothed him. So the Bible has examples of specifically how music has the power to change our mood. Second, it has the power to change the way we perceive the world. It has the ability to change the way we perceive the world. So in experiments where people looked at a neutral face, the music they listened to affected the way they actually perceived that face. So someone's like just flat face and they're play some happy music and like, oh, look, I think he's smiling a little bit. See that smile right there? Or he's doing this like, oh, yeah, he's frowning now because there's sad music going on in the background. And so I, I, I'm thinking about this in, in uh, terms of watching movies. Have you watched a movie and there's this beautiful music going on in the background? And for some reason, you're like, wow, this is great, but why is the bad guy winning? And why do I feel sorry for the bad guy? You know, he's changing the way you perceive what's really happening. And they use music to, to do that. I, I've watched many movies where at the end of the movie, like the bad guy is dying and I should be like, yeah, the bad guys. But they play this very soft, like, oh man, is he really a bad guy? Is he a bad, bad guy? Could he be, you know, and all these questions just because the music changed and that changed the way I perceived the reality in front of me. Um, third thing, music has the power to unite us. And I mean, like, unite us dancing together, you know, ever, ever like played a song and you start nodding your head, start tapping your foot, start just following the beat along. Okay. So when that happens, our body is actually becoming in sync with the music. And so we go from nodding, going like this to we might dance a little bit. We might 
sing the song with our mouth. And then when that happens, our heart rate actually changes too with the song. And other people that come along, they'll, they'll sing the same, same song. And so music can get us in a place where we're united as one. I've been in plenty of youth camps where everyone's jumping up and down to the beat. Actually, there was one time I was uh, at a church where we were leading music and everything. Everyone was jumping up and down, and they evacuated the downstairs because they thought the, the floor was going to cave in. So all the kids just like ran and scattered. But everyone was united, and we were singing to the glory of God. But this can be used in the negative way as well, where people can be united for something that is against God. So music has the power to unite us in good ways and in bad ways. <clears throat> Excuse me. Music has the power to remind us, to remind us. Think back to the first concert you ever went to or that the special song that you dance to with your loved one. Or the first time you got introduced to a certain type of music and you're like, oh yeah, man, that's so good. And you're like, I, I, I love, I love that music because it brings you all the way back to that moment in time. I can remember driving back and forth between Roanoke and Lynchburg and I put in a Switchfoot CD. And some of you guys know Switchfoot, some of you, some of you don't. It's, a, it's sort of like a rock band. But I remember driving 45 minutes each way and listening to that CD a hundred times. I loved that CD. And whenever I put it back in, I am transported all the way back to that time. And I'm like, wow, I remember those times. I, and I remember the long trek there, but I remember the blessing that God gave me to be able to go to Liberty and get a degree there and how he blessed every single step of that. And so music has the power to transport us and to, to remind us of things. Um, so they've done studies with people with, with Alzheimer's and, and they'll, people that are musicians, they will um, play a song for them and they'll put a keyboard or whatever instrument they play and they can't remember anything. They can't remember any of this music. And they play the song and all of a sudden they put their hands up on the piano and they just start playing along with it. Somehow music has the power to unlock different portions of our brain that are sealed away that we can't even see that they are there and bring back all this emotion. Thank you. <clears throat> so that's just music, all right? So let's look at music with lyrics. Music with lyrics. Lyrics... They can infiltrate our minds to teach us. And um, not only does music have the power to affect our mood, but lyrics and music have the ability to infiltrate the way that we think. And I think this is why Paul says that we are to use music to teach and admonish, but with God's wisdom. Man's wisdom is strewn throughout music everywhere about what is good and what is right in their own eyes. Everything from how they perceive the world and what they want us to do in contemporary bands or whatever bands that are out there, all the way to even selling things. You guys ever got a song stuck in your head? Like Mentos, Freshness, you know, things like that. Like, all right, we need to buy this. You need to go there. You need to, I'm loving it. You know, little jingles will get you to think that these things are good. There have been times 
<clears throat> where uh, when I was younger, I would listen to a song and my mom would say, are you, is that a good song? I don't think that sounds good. Like, no, no, it's okay. I'm not listening to the lyrics. No, no, I'm just listening to music. I love the music, mom. And she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I could go back and listen to that song now and I know every word and they're not all good songs. <laughs> There's a lot of songs I go back and listen to. And I have good memories, but I also have bad words with that. I'm just like, man, how do I reconcile this? The, the memory was good, but I shouldn't really be back there again. And so going back to you know, music transporting us, but we might not see how lyrics go into our heart, um, but they do. And it, it's for any age too. Um, approximately 17% of male adolescents and 25% of female adolescents expressed that they liked their favorite song specifically because the lyrics were a reflection of their, their own feelings. Also, it was found that the more importance adolescents give to a certain type of music, the more attention they pay to the lyrics. Furthermore, um, Another study stated that although young listeners might not understand all the details and lyrics, they recognize enough to obtain a general idea of the message that they bring. Lyrics can infiltrate our minds and teach us things, good and bad. Lyrics, number two, have the ability to change the way we perceive the world just like music does. So, when lyrics are repeated in our heads over and over and over again, we actually start to believe what we sing to ourselves. Many times um, I've been talking to someone and then a, a song will pop in my head about what we're talking about. And uh, I'll just repeat it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that fits, you know. I remember that song, it fits in there. But there's been times where I'm talking to someone about the Bible and then a song pops in my head. And I'm like remembering, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a, hold on, was that part of the song or was that, I can't remember, was that scripture? You guys ever done that before where you just remember a song and you're like, was that biblical? I gotta go back and find the verse, you know. But we'll sometimes take songs and just put the lyrics in place of, what we think even God might say, because we, th we think the lyrics before we actually think the word of God. Um, and we do this all throughout um, the way we communicate. It used to be back with, with uh, poets. Poets would take words from other poets and, and you would say, oh, this is their word. So I've been reading a, a series called The Wingfeather Saga, and there's a guy in there called Oscar Retip. And every single time someone comments or talks about a situation, he says, in the words of, and he'll go off, so-and-so said this and said that, where he's taking words from other people and saying, okay, this goes along with this, and I think this is truth because this person has said this to me. And music will do that. It'll take people's lyrics, and they will embed them in us, and we'll eventually come to the place where we will repeat them to ourselves so much that we that the words become true to us. The words become true. I can remember many times listening to songs when I was younger. I was really depressed because I let the words of certain songs get into my heart. I became defined by them. 
I became, um, I became ruled by them. And when I started changing the music that I listened to, it changed the way that I perceived the world. It reminded me of God's love and God's kindness. And I'm not saying that every single song you would, you'll ever play will, is, is a downer, but I'm, I'm, I'm helping us think through what we listen to and how it might affect us. So lyrics have the ability to change the way we perceive the world, just like music does, but lyrics have the ability to not only change the way we perceive things, but also change our actions towards other people. When lyrics change, um, when, when lyrics talk about in the world, sexual acts, drugs, alcohol, violence, and start to normalize the different things that are wrong, and we put those into our head because they have a nice little beat to them. We can dance to them. I was at a wedding a few weeks ago and there were some songs playing and I was like, oh my, what in the, what is, why are we playing this song? And my girls were dancing because they just turned on. I was like, uh, yeah, let's, let's go off the dance. Let's just sit down right here. I was like, what, why are we playing those types of songs? I, I don't know specifically what it is right now, but it had these themes in there. And <clears throat> we can allow the songs that we listen to change the actions that we do because we're okay. That's acceptable. I, I mean, they said that this is okay. And if it, our diet is just words that allow anything to happen, we will start giving into those things, those desires. They'll be on our mind because songs are earworms. They get into your ears and they repeat over and over again. I've had plenty of songs stuck in my head that I never wanted to listen to ever once. And I heard just five seconds of it and it goes over and over and over. I'm just like, get on my head. You know, we have to be careful on what songs that we put into our heads. Um, and And I'm not saying it's specific to the types of music. I think it's the music plus the lyrics. Certain types of music actually talk about certain subjects more often than others. And when you talk about those subjects over and over again, you're going to have those things embedded in your heart. Because I, I know myself as I was talking about this, I'm like, people are going to think, oh man, this guy hates rock music, or this guy hates rap, or this my guy. It's not about the music specific. It's about the music plus the lyrics and how those are either speaking truth from God's word or speaking the worldliness of how we should not live our lives. So with, with, uh, with Paul encouraging us in this way to use music as a tool, we got to be careful that the things that go into our mind are of the word of God because we become the words that we repeat to ourselves. So let's move on to Psalm chapter one. So let's do what Paul says. Let's take a psalm. Let's take that psalm and we're going to just walk through it, talk about what it says, why it says what it says, and hopefully by the end of it, we will have some encouragement from the psalms. And we're going to start at the very beginning. Psalm chapter 1. Most of you can quote Psalm chapter 1, right? I know a bunch of people from ATF are like, yeah, we remember that. Is that in ATF? Yes. And that is awesome. <clears throat> So go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 1. So let's go ahead and read and then walk back through it. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked 
or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. But instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. My mother-in-law actually wrote a song on Psalm 1, and every time I read it, I sing it in the back of my head. It's like, blessed is the man who doesn't. Anyways. So, let's go back to the first verse. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. So first thing here is talking about happiness. Happiness is for those who walk in the way of God's teaching. Happiness is is for those who walk in the way of God's teaching. And this is very important in life because everyone is looking for happiness. They want to know the key. And the very first Psalm is like, hey, Here's the key. Here's the key to happiness. But do we want it? Do we want what God says will bring us happiness? It's a hard pill to swallow because most of the time we want to walk in our own way. So what does it say about how to be happy? It starts off with what not to do. And in our society, that usually is not the right way of starting things off. We're like, no, no, no. Stick with the positives, not the negatives. Let's just talk about the good stuff. And he's like, no, let's talk about what not to do. Okay? And some of you like, might like it that way. This is how not to do it. Do not be one who walks in the advice of the wicked and the advice of the wicked. Now, when they say advice, when the psalmist is saying advice, picture an, an older man who has lived a long life, and he's very strong in his understanding of the Word of God. He is that counselor that you go to when you have something wrong. And you're like, oh, what do I do? I go to him. This is the mindset that they had. They, cities had an elder that you went to and you asked for advice. But he's saying, do not treat a wicked person in this way. A wicked person who's walked on their own path and defined truth for themselves instead of going to God, do not treat this person as someone that you seek advice for. Then he says, do not be the one who stands in the path with sinners. Now, with this whole walking standing, sitting thing. I was going through and trying to figure out what it means. But I think it's those who start walking in a direction because it seems right to them. And then they stand with other people that have gone in that direction. And when they stand with them, they actually start doing these wicked deeds with these people. And they become accused. They become sinners with them. They said the path of, you know, God's path right there is not where I want to go. So do not walk in the advice of the wicked and do not stand in the pathway of sinners. 
where you said, this is something I can stand on. I can, I can build a house on this thing. Yeah, this is great. I can, I can actually find some truth in this, this place. And the last thing he says, do not be the one who ends up making the wrong path a place of residence. But he says it differently. He says, nor sit in the company of mockers. When we come to a place where we have found a way that works, we think it, it's sort of stable, going to put down a foundation, and then we sit and we decide this is where we're going to stay. And when we sit there, we start doing what everyone else does. We start saying, oh, that way of truth, that can't be the way of truth. And we become mockers of the truth. We might not realize it, but we're like saying, no, you're wrong and I'm right. Come down this path. And we're blind to the wickedness of that path itself. So this is what not to do. But let's flip it around. What do we do? This world is full of so much noise so many people pulling us with their words. And a simple way of thinking about this is when we watch TV. The commercials that pop, us, pop up are trying to pull us every which way. They promise results. They, they promise happiness. But here God is saying, no matter what truths people have told you, I am the one who knows all things and defines what is right and wrong. It is God's pathway that we should walk in. Not this wicked pathway, God's pathway. And so he says, <clears throat> he says, instead of falling down that pathway, delight yourself in the Lord's instructions in his law. Meditate on it day and night. And, and when he says instructions, he's not talking about um, just, okay, I got to follow all these laws. No, teachings. The Torah is actually the teachings and Jesus Christ, teach them all things that I've commanded you. All right? These are ways of walking that he has established, that he says is the right way to walk in. And so if God defines it as truth, we should walk in that way. So he, first thing is, happiness is for those who walk in the way of God's teaching. And two, God's teaching will make you strong and prosperous. When we have actually decided, all right, I'm going to walk this path now. This is what happens. He is like a tree planted besides flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So we start out with the analogy of a tree. Who here has ever planted something and you've seen it sort of die? After you planted it. <laughs> okay. And you're like, what is wrong with this thing? Why is it dying? And you're trying to figure out what's happening to it. And sometimes you'll go to the extreme of taking it out of the ground and say, okay, I'm going to put it over here now. You pop it right there. And you're like, whoa, it's actually green. Woo, this is awesome. And it starts flourishing and it starts having fruit and it starts growing. You're like, wow, this is amazing. What happened? When that's the picture here, we have this tree. I don't think it's a, a tree by, you know, a seed was planted and it grew up. I think it's transplanted to a place. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to follow God's ways. And the, God picks you up, puts you in a place where the, his word, his instructions become a delight to you. That stream of living water 
your roots can now get to, to have nourishment. And when a plant is nourished, its leaves grow out, the fruit comes from that. And we see how God's truth produces fruit that is in stability, where we are strong and prosperous. And now I don't think this is possessions, because we can say, okay, God, now that I'm doing your way, you're going to bless me with the million dollars and a nice house and cars. No, he produces fruit. And I believe he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But the wicked, on the other hand, don't have the right elements to prosper. You take away the water, and soon the plant will die. Its roots will search until it can't find water and it doesn't have strength and it'll just die. You can see a, a tree in back here. You seen the tree that fell down over here? It's not getting water. It's dead, completely down. <clears throat> That's the wicked. They will come to ruin. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are chaff that the wind blows away. And those leaves are eventually going to blow all away because they're dying. They're just going to fall off. They are double-minded. They're wishy-washy. They don't have any truth to plant themselves on. So instead of walking in this path away from God, he's saying, walk in this path. And in season, you will produce fruit. You'll produce fruit. So happiness is for those who walk in the way of God's teaching. God's teaching will make you strong and prosperous. And then last one, God knows the way that is right to walk in. Oh, I'm so thankful he knows. That he knows the right way. Verse 6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Here, the psalmist reminds us that God is the one who established and maintains the way that is right. He not only knows it, but he actually, I believe he walks with us on that pathway. He is there to comfort us and to care for us. He's not like, like I'm walking around, it's like, hey, which way do I go? He's like, oh, that way. Oh, okay. And you just walk that way. Like, oh, yeah, that's the right way to go. No, he actually comes with you. And he is the one who watches over the people that decide to follow him because he cares about you. Psalm 23. Keep that in mind with this. That is the way that we are supposed to walk in. Walk in. Now, when we don't walk that way, the whole psalm ends with, and the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Man, that's a bummer. <laughs> Got this nice little psalm of encouragement. Oh, by the way, the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Bye, guys. You know, he just leaves us hanging there. But I think he wants us to have a warning in our heads. The amazing way of God that produces fruit and good works and love and care for the people is great. But we can so easily be pulled back in to the way of the world because we eventually don't humble ourselves. We're like, God, I think I know what's better. Yeah. Ever come to a fork on the road and your wife's like, which way do you go? I'm like, I think it's that way. She's like, no, no, it's that way. I'm like, no, I think it's this way. Sometimes we do that with God, but he's different. He's, he knows all things. And he says, no, this is the way. I've walked it before you. I've established a path. I mean, it's hard to 
cut down a path. And we do that when we walk this direction. But God's like, no, I've established a path that not many people travel on, but he's established it ahead of us. And he knows the right way. So Psalm 1, great Psalm. How do we actually apply what we just learned? So here are some just practical applications. Number one, even when we can't see the results of God's goodness, press into God. Even when we can't see the results of God's goodness, press into God. The world and its sinfulness do their best to destroy God's goodness. And if we are looking for God's goodness as a litmus test to see if this way is right, then we're looking in the wrong place. We need to be delighting in the Lord instead of delighting in the good works of other people. And that's it. Because we can look around and not see God's goodness yet because it might not be the season for it yet. It might not be, it might be snuffed out by the world. It might, it might, we might be discouraged in that moment and just be perceiving things wrong. But when we delight in God and his teachings and just remain faithful to that, that's what he, he's asked us to do, that he would be the focus of everything that we do, that he would be our delight and not, we not be distracted by that. So even when we cannot see the results of God's goodness, press in to God. Number two, whatever God gives you, use it to bless and encourage others. And this is going back to the, the, the fruit. <clears throat> so when we are established in the right way, we're going to have the streams of water that are going to help us grow and eventually we'll produce fruit. And fruit is all the good works that God does in us. So how we love, how we have patience and care for other people. It's the gifts that God gives us to love and care for people. And sometimes we can not use a gift because we, we're selfish. We're like, yes, you're doing great things, God, but I like this fruit on my, that's growing. I, I like how you're giving me accolades because people see this fruit. Oh man, that's a nice fruit tree. Look at those apples. Oh, it's beautiful. But if we never pick those, those apples, they're just going to fall to the ground and they're going to bruise and they'll be wasted on, and we can't use them anymore. God is saying, I think God is wanting us to use the fruits to bless the world, not just in the church, to bless the world. And we're saying, well, I, I really can't bless people because I'm, I'm no one. I can't, do anything. It can be the simplest act of walking to someone's door, you know, knocking on the door and saying, hey, how you doing? Give them a call. It could be just being with people. It could be everything from that to helping someone build a house. It could be, it, but I, it could be anything, but it's us saying, okay, I'm not going to look at these good, good fruits and just keep them for myself. I'm actually going to give them away and let the fruits of the spirit reach out past myself. It won't be a, a place of accolades. It won't be a place, to, it'll be a place where I bless other people. So whatever God gives you, use it to bless and encourage others. And then third, keep a humble heart when following God. Keep a humble heart. Very easily we can go the opposite way. Because this way can sometimes be shrouded in mystery. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Sometimes this life brings so much suffering and turmoil that we're like, God, are we even going together anymore? Are we walking down this path together? Where are you, God? And he's like, no, I am right next to you. Don't give up. No, I can't do this anymore, God. I, I, I can't. I, this is just too hard. I think this is a better way. And we start walking in the other direction. And God, the whole time, is saying, no. But we are not humbling ourselves. We're not delighting in God. We're not allowing his truth and his teachings to change us. So we need to keep a humble heart when following God. Because in just an instant, we can turn and go the opposite way. So today, you might be looking at this psalm and be like, is that really how true happiness comes about by me following God? Maybe God's talking to you right now. Hey, you, I want you to follow me, but you haven't. You've given me this little bit, but you haven't said that, that my way is the best way. You haven't seen my goodness. You haven't seen the love and care I have for you. And you continue walking in this way. And today, God is asking you to turn from the wickedness that you live in and what's in your heart. And he's saying, no, walk this way instead. Humble yourselves. Come to him because he will give you what you absolutely need. We can try to fill ourselves with all the things we think we need, but God is saying, I will give you what you are really looking for. And if that's you today, I ask you to humble your heart and ask God to lead you. Ask God to help you find the light in him. Ask God to just meet you where you're at. So we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray. And I want you to do that. And those of you who are like, I'm following in this way, you might need encouragement. I want to encourage you to continue walking in the way that God has established for you. And if you're wavering, bow your heads and pray for God to give you encouragement to continue on. But let's take a moment and just pray to God. Father, we thank you so much for your word that teaches us what happiness is and how we can truly find it by delighting ourselves in you. Help us to push away and deny the things that we want that are against you and to walk in your path that you have established for our lives. Help us to, to not look back. Help us to be honest with ourselves too. Because we can easily lie to ourselves and make us think that we are going the right direction when we're not. Lord, help us to not only say these things, that what we want to do, but actually walk out these doors and do them. Let your word change us every single day, not just Sunday, every single day. Work mightily in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you were blessed. Thank you so much for listening this week. 
If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Thank you.